Chapter Six of the Life of Saint Paul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Fatima da Silva. The Life of Saint Paul by Francis Alice Forbes. Combats without, fears within. Passing rapidly through Syria and Cilicia, where they made known the decree to the faithful, Paul and Silas crossed the sea and journeyed northwards to Lystra. Several years had now passed since Eunice and her household had been won to Christ by the preaching of the apostles, during which time Timothy had grown from youth into manhood. Paul, who in earlier days had been struck by the lovable qualities of the young disciple, could not fail to notice how the gifts of grace had completed the gifts of nature. In this young man, loved and respected by all the Christians in Lystra and Iconium, and already exercising a strong influence for good on all around him, he recognized the stuff of an apostle and at once appointed him to help them in the work. It was the beginning of a faithful friendship that was to last until death. To Paul, Timothy was to be ever his beloved son in the faith, more at one with him in heart and soul than any other of his companions. Whilst Timothy, ready to lay down his life for his beloved father in Christ, gave to Paul that devoted and understanding sympathy of which his sensitive and suffering spirit had often so great a need. From Lystra, Paul, with his companions, proceeded to Iconium and Pisidian Antioch, where, having made known the decree to the brethren, he strengthened and confirmed them in the knowledge of Christ, and won by his preaching many new converts to the faith. His original plan had been to strike westwards into the Roman province of Asia, but checked by a revelation that such was not God's pleasure, the little band resolved to go northwards to Bithynia. Again the divine guidance intervened. Nothing remained for the travellers but to strike across Mysia, the northern district of the province of Asia, to the seaport of Troas, where they awaited the further manifestation of God's will. Not only was the field of their future mission to be made fully known to them in this seacoast city, but they were destined to meet there one who was to be a most faithful friend of St. Paul, as well as the historian of his travels. Was Paul suffering from an attack of that chronic sickness that had laid him low in Pamphylia on his first missionary journey? that stake in the flesh which seemed to him such a hindrance to god's work that he had thrice besought the lord that it might depart from him we do not know it was in this way or in some other that he made the acquaintance of luke the beloved physician known later as luke the evangelist the intercourse between the two men resulted in the winning over of the Greek physician to the cause of Christ. Fired by the burning words of St. Paul, he resolved to give his whole life to God's service. Whither was the Spirit leading them? Ships from many countries 
lay at anchor in the harbour of Choas, which was to bear them on the master's errand. In the silence of the night, he made known his will to his servants. There appeared to Paul in a vision a man from Macedonia, beseeching him with outstretched hands, Come over into Macedonia, and help us, and all doubt was at an end. Setting sail at once, they landed at Neapolis, and crossing the hills which lay before them, entered the beautiful city of Philippi, a thriving Roman colony. To the people of Macedonia, simple, honest, and hard-working, the question of the immortality of the soul and the existence of the one true God had been for long subjects of the deepest interest. But Paul's rule had always been to preach first to the Jews, and having heard that the Sabbath meetings were held in a quiet nook by the riverside, there being no synagogue and but few Jews in Philippi, he resolved to seek them out. The gathering was a small one indeed, consisting only of a few women who were engaged in prayer. The leader of the little group was a Gentile proselyte called Lydia, a woman of wealth and position who dealt in the purple-dyed garments of Thyatira. The preaching of Paul found an immediate response in her heart, and she received baptism with all her household. Eager in her gratitude to do what she could, in return for the precious gift of the faith, she would not be content until Paul and his companions had promised to be her guests, and her house soon became the centre of Christianity in the city. In the period of peace and calm which followed, the good news spread rapidly among the people. Men and women of all classes hastened to join the ranks of the Christians. But the house of Lydia was not their only meeting place. The apostles still preached in the quiet retreat by the riverside, known to all as the usual haunt of the Jews, which was visited by many who would otherwise have had no opportunity of hearing the word. Now it chanced that there lived not far from this place a slave girl possessed by a spirit which enabled her to foretell the future. She had come to be considered as a sort of oracle in Philippi, and her pagan masters made a great deal of money by her divinations. Meeting one day St. Paul and his companions on their way to the place of prayer, she followed them. These men are the servants of the Most High God who preach to you the way of salvation, she cried. And every day at the same time the scene was repeated. Such a testimony was not to the mind of the apostle. Turning at last to the girl as she followed them, Depart from her, he said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the spirit left her at his word. The poor slave was now in her right mind, but the power of foretelling the future was gone, and with it the wealth of her masters. Seizing in their fury upon Paul and Silas, they dragged them before the magistrates. To have told the truth would have been worse than useless. They therefore accused the apostles of preaching a new religion, and of teaching customs which were against the Roman law. The fact that Silas, as well as Paul, was a Romani citizen would have ensured them respectful treatment, but amidst the general tumult, it was impossible for them to make themselves heard. Their enemies had been careful to state that they were Jews, 
for the jews had lately come under the displeasure of the emperor and had been banished from rome without inquiring further into the matter the magistrates ordered that the strangers should be first beaten with rods and then imprisoned the scourging was inflicted publicly in the market-place after which paul and silas bruised and bleeding were thrown into a dungeon their feet being so secured in the stocks that every movement of their aching bodies caused them pain they had borne their sufferings bravely for the love of their lord and now in the weary hours of darkness they comforted their sad hearts by singing hymns and psalms to his glory the voice of praise was an unwanted sound in that gloomy prison and one which filled the inmates with wonder the thick walls were still ringing to the echoes of the sacred song when a sudden earthquake shook the building to its foundations bursting open the doors and freeing the prisoners from their chains the jailer rushing to the spot and seeing the open doors supposed that his charges had made good their escape disgrace and death would certainly be the penalty it would be better to die at once by his own hand as his sword flashed from the scabbard a quiet voice spoke from out the darkness do thyself no harm for we are all here the keeper of the prison took courage calling for lights he secured the other prisoners who had been probably too terrified by the earthquake to think of escape for not one of them was missing his duty done he fell trembling at the feet of paul and silas who alone had remained calm and steadfast masters he cried what must i do to be saved by this time the whole household had gathered together and there was work to be done for the master the two apostles forgetting the pain of their wounds spoke the words of life to these new disciples who drank them with thirsty years taking paul and silas whose pitiable state was visible to all they washed and dressed their wounds at the fountain of water where they in their turn received the sacrament of baptism a feast was prepared in the jailer's house to which the apostles were brought by their new disciples while the gladness of christ reigned in the hearts of all thus ended amidst general rejoicings a night which had been so eventful the magistrates who in the meanwhile had had time to reflect on their hasty action were in no comfortable frame of mind the christians of philippi had very probably protested against the unjust manner in which the prisoners had been treated for there were people of influence amongst them in any case the representatives of the law decided that the wisest and safest course would be to get rid of the strangers as quickly and secretly as possible the day had scarcely dawned when messengers appeared at the prison door to announce that the magistrates were graciously pleased to set paul and silas at liberty the jailer greatly relieved hastened to tell the good news to the apostles but paul turned quietly to the lictors who were following what he said after having caused two roman citizens to be publicly beaten and cast into prison do they expect to send them away secretly no let them come and bring us out themselves the consternation of the magistrates can be imagined these men were roman citizens what had they done 
they might have to answer with their lives for yesterday's proceedings it was contrary to the law to scourge a roman and these men had not even been tried let such a thing but reach the ears of the governor of macedonia and their career as magistrates would be forever at an end it was not a moment for dignity hastening to the prison they tremblingly besought the strangers to pardon the mistake and to leave the city at once this the apostles agreed to do but at their own time and convenience returning to the house of lydia they reassured the brethren who had been in great anxiety as to their fate then having set all in order paul and silas set forth once more on their travels leaving luke and timothy in charge of the community at philippi that community which paul was to speak of later as his joy and his crown the proposed route lay through anifipolis and apollonia to thessalonica a seaport city on the coast of the aegean sea whose position caused it to become later one of the centers of christianity the chief industry of the town was its woven stuffs of brilliant hue and the coarser fabrics of goat's hair which were used for tent coverings every jewish boy no matter what might be the wealth and position of his parents was compelled to learn a trade so that he could if necessary support himself in later life now it happened that this very trade of tent making was the one which paul had been taught in his youth and at which he worked for his daily bread when he was able to do so his intention being to remain for the present at thessalonica he took a lodging in the house of a jew called jason a weaver himself by trade whose workshop would therefore offer to the apostle all that he required for the daily toil there was a synagogue in the city and thither on the sabbath went the two apostles eager to preach jesus to the jews but the thought of a poor and humble savior dying for their salvation on the cross had no charms for these men they looked for a messiah who should come as a conqueror to restore the power to israel and conversions were few it was quite otherwise with the gentile proselytes who listened eagerly and were baptized in great numbers in course of time seeing the fruitlessness of their preaching to the jews the apostles left the synagogue and began to instruct their converts in the house of jason where paul could talk to them as he worked the little community increased daily and it was not long before the holy spirit made known his presence amongst them by miracles and supernatural gifts the jews as usual saw the result of paul's preaching with envy and vexation for nearly all their proselytes had deserted them an opportunity of injuring those whom they chose to consider as their enemies soon presented itself these men they declared were sowing treason against the roman government had they not asserted that there was another king one jesus to whom they owed allegiance rather than to caesar it was not difficult to urge the people to fury against them by such arguments as these egged on by the jews they attacked the house of jason whom in the absence of paul and silas they dragged before the magistrates the governor of macedonia who had his official residence at 
Thessalonica was in the city. The magistrates, anxious to hush up the riot as quickly as possible, bound Jason over to be surety for his guests, and deferred the trial until later. In the meantime, Paul and Silas had returned, and the Christians were beseeching them to seek safety in flight. Yielding at last to the entreaties of their brethren, who conducted them with all precautions outside the gates of the city, they said a sorrowful farewell to these faithful disciples and took the road to Berea. End of chapter 6